Hello, Matthew Grant here. Well, we haven't had a partner's chat on the podcast for a while, so Robert and I thought it'd be kind of interesting to do one of these live and with video. We're now using the Bright Talk channel to bring you live events, albeit digitally, until we get back into the steel yard. So we recorded this one on Thursday, the 2nd of April, but we thought we'd just package it up, give it to you in the podcast. Uh, you can also listen to it live and you can check out what we're doing on Bright Talk with some of our up and coming events. The details will be in the episode notes. Here we go. Well, here we are, spot on time. So unlike some of our lively evening events when people are still stuck at the bar, Rob and I are here grabbing your attention for our first uh, digital partners talk. We normally hide behind the microphone and do this in a recording, but we thought just given that we're everyone's sharing their faces in their, uh, their bedrooms these days, we would share you with some of our own particular experiences and we're sort of going to channel the spirit of reality TV. So I'm afraid you're not going to quite get... Uh, uh, Love Island here, or at least not intentionally, and there's anything wanders past in the background. But uh, yeah, we thought it'd be a good chance for Robin and I to catch up about what's going on and tell you about some of the things we've been seeing. But first of all, Robin, you're a bit of man about town. How are, you, uh, how are you dealing with being cooped up for the last couple of weeks? Yeah, no, I'm coming to you live from my uh, the Interstate London studios in Suffolk. Um, as you know, I go out at least three or four times a week. So, uh, the focus of my life has become cooking and wine, and now increasingly writing about wine. Uh, the whole day has gone video and call like everybody else. I love Zoom. I hate Skype. I hate looking at myself uh, on video. I'm always amazed by how old and tired and fat I look. And then I have a massive choice as whether I wear my glasses or whether I don't wear my glasses. And I can, in the end, I go with no glasses because then I don't have to see myself sort of much more preferable really um and then uh i don't know about you but but uh, i've remained busier than ever uh which is probably because we do actually provide quite a lot of value that's not to do with events um and, and then there has to be a certain discipline in which we turn all this stuff off and get on with our normal lives do they actually have broadband in wales i mean you know <laughs> you work with cool hey wales has got very good broadband i think it's actually better broadband up here than it is in in London, I think it was some grant at some point. Uh, and not only that, actually, we too are probably in one of the, the most concentrated companies just now in terms of our own people, because within 500 yards of where I'm sitting, we've got Pete, who does our podcasts, and uh, Fiona, who does our contracts. So there's a quite a strong hub here up in Wales for the Interstate London team. And uh, also, I don't even know, but we actually quite often have somebody from Invest in Wales turning up at our events. So uh, who knows? We could be uh, opening up a whole new activity out here in uh, in north wales and anglesey put them on pipe drive but uh anyway but enough about us so we you mentioned you've been doing quite a lot recently we've both been quite busy uh what do you see is going on in that broader community of people who are still in in very uh, fairly early stages of setting up their companies seems like there's some winners out there but also unfortunately uh some people are struggling a bit in the current climate yeah, no, I mean, the first thing that changes when you have a sort of crisis like this is uh, funding. Um, I, I, I think it would be incredibly difficult to get early stage. I mean, if you're dependent on seed money and you're dependent on angels, uh, one, they've all lost. I mean, you're high net worth individuals have just lost 20 or 30% of their worth. Um, they don't like this level of uncertainty. They're much more worried about seeing what the outcomes of all these things are than they are taking risks in the EIS or SEIS funds. So 
Uh, I mean, if you're going to, if you're early stage and you're raising that sort of money, the next three to six months it seems to me this has become the world's become a, a whole lot tougher. Um, uh, and then I think you know, if you're beyond that, your Series A, you're probably all right because uh, the money's still there. There's nowhere else to put it. Um, and I think if you're an investor, Series A, a VC, and a PE, you're sort of saying to yourself, this is quite an interesting opportunity because there are winners and losers emerging and 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 we you know if we just pick up a few winners and valuations that probably reflect the fact that uh you know this has not been an easy six months um you know you might be onto something you know what where do i think the winners and the losers are uh anything to do with what, what's becoming known as remote tech as a winner um you know shepherd is a winner because everybody wants to monitor their buildings uh when they're left empty 360 global net are doing well because People want to do claims uh, remotely. Those people who are doing the life and health tech stuff, you know, equips me, um, you, you know, GP consultations uh, remotely, uh, anyone doing care homes remotely. Um, we've had all those through um, Instec London. Th those people are all winners because they've just had their models validated. I think there's a big push into, um, you know, the whole gig economy freelance uh, this has shown the need to protect those and have platforms to provide them with benefits. So I think the you know the portables, uh, the Trezios of this world have benefited, uh, and, and and probably parametric. Um, uh, there's sense sense of sort of deep distrust of the insurance industry as a result of this. The, the you know there's a as we all, the business interruption issue is a is a is a is a condemnation of the insurance industry. So I think people will like parametric going forward it, it just provides more certainty uh, I, I mean i don't know if you share those views have you see, seen any winners and losers in your in your gang well we're going to talk a bit about those issues in the perception of insurance in a minute or some of the things we've been tracking but I, yeah i suppose just reflecting on that sort of sense of remote working it's a, essentially most people building companies had actually already figured out how to be fairly agile and work remotely whether it was you know, we work or some other shared workspace or yeah, companies like Saitora that have been growing so quickly, they've been you're moving offices fairly regularly. So you just have to sort of be reliant on the technology and not not so much the face-to-face. -face. I think there's, you know, it's partly what are they doing, partly how are they doing it that means that organisations tend to sort of be a little bit more helpful. Um, I think the other, you know, the other one's interesting. We've got RDT coming up in one of our forthcoming webinars where they do remote managed services. And for them, it's business as normal. You know, they're, they're a more established company, but the what they're offering is to help take some of the sort of pain away from companies that otherwise would have to employ people or get more hands-on and on doing the technology and literally go and, yes, into server rooms and do things. So yeah, those kind of organisations are proving that as well. But let's just come back to that point you sort of, you made there about the, the insurance industry and you've been sort of dusting off some of your uh, your legal expertise and looking at what's been going on over in the US. But I think also we're going to see some of it in the UK where – you know, some of the regulators and, and insurance commissioners are pushing for insurers to cover more than actually is explicitly in, in the contract. Yeah, I mean, I, this is a moment in time for insurance. I mean, I'm not quite sure uh, where this is leading. Um, but but uh, this is pretty well documented now. I mean, it starts with, a, with a, the insurance commissioner in New Jersey threatening to um, commence a, pass a law effectively that says even if uh, your, if, even if viruses were specifically included from your B 
BI insurance under 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 the pandemic sections, uh, we're going to construe the contract as if it did cover it, so you will pay out. Uh, and all the other state commissioners have le- leapt on the bandwagon. The latest estimates of what that would cost the insurance industry are sort of $2 trillion. Um, You know, that shreds the insurance industry. It shreds actually law and contract and every sort of principle of, um, you know, free speech and how, how we run social democracies. Uh, so I don't believe it's any more than a threat, and it's a threat to... Um, provide leverage on the industry to show a little bit more empathy and to pay play its role in, um, you know, a fair role probably in sorting out the issues that everybody faces. And, and I, I don't think that's unfair. I think um, huge sort of contributions are being made at government level, at, at a private level, um, you know, I thought Matt for his donation of five million to help find the next vaccine for these things was a good step in the right direction. But right now, people think insurance has abdicated its responsibilities. It's a bit like um, sitting around watching everybody else drown. You know, they, a, we're going to lose we're going to lose thousands and thousands of customers in all of this. We, we need to do more than just sit around doing nothing. And there's a price to pay if you don't. There really is. Yeah, I mean, it's like so many of the sort of these kind of situations, disasters, catastrophes. You know, the way pe- people respond is, is, is you see a very different type of someone's character than you might do in day to day. And they tend to sort of form those two camps of people that are sort of leaning in and helping all those that are trying to figure out ways to, to look after themselves. How, I mean, how do you think insurers? What do you think is going to happen to insurers? I mean, what you know, how is it going to change the loss profile at twenty twenty? Have you? Have you all of that, yeah, it, it, you know, I think in always these situations are some things you expect and some things you don't expect. So if you take, for example, motor, it clearly they're going to be less claims because people aren't bumping into each other. Um, but at the same time, there's going to be less income coming in because if you've got a couple of cars and, you, and you've got one sitting in your driveway and your insurance renewal comes up and you think you're going to be housebound for three months, well, do you actually go and renew that, that car? It's not that you're unlikely to have much damage done to it. Uh, and then property, you know, there's some kind of interesting thoughts there. So if you're if you've got your property more often, you're more likely to see if there's a fire starting where you get a escape of water. But at the same time, if you've got a family of five or six and you're all bouncing around the house, at some point things are going to start getting broken and and uh, hopefully people don't start setting their own house on fire. But you know, you, you sort of you're quite difficult to know how these things are going to play out. It's interesting, Bruce Carnegie Brown, the chairman of Lloyd's, you know, he's talking about dozens of different types of of cover he thinks are going to come into to play and then UBS one of the analysts there has basically said he reckons the Munich Re is going to have a billion euros of loss or could do in the first two quarters just from COVID related losses but you know all the uncertainty out there as well so I think you know, one of the things this is going to flush out is just that area of just what's actually covered I mean we've heard about this with cyber and Lloyd's has been basically saying that you had to basically assume you're covered for cyber if it wasn't explicitly excluded and i wonder if that's also going to happen here where you know they're going to use that same thinking and saying well the pandemic wasn't explicitly excluded then then maybe you maybe you were covered for it i also think it's an interesting time for people with machine learning tools and again we heard people like risk genius who've been using uh ai to look at contracts and be able to extract what's in a contract in a way that you know a lawyer might not be able to is just cheaper to do it so yeah i was wondering now if people are starting to commission companies to go through all the contracts out there to figure out, you know, what is exclu- excluded, what is not excluded, you know, what's somewhere in the middle. So just, yeah, in terms of opportunities for people, I think there is a lot that could be done there. 
in a, in, a, in a sort of analytical sense, but then as he, as he started off his conversation, there's still the whole kind of moral question of really what should be included and and, uh, and what shouldn't be. Yeah, uh, someone's got to pick up these event contingent these event cancellations, aren't they? I mean, I don't know what we've got experts out there who probably know the answer to these, but Olympics, Wimbledon, Glastonbury, you know, they that someone I guess someone's insured those. I mean, that that you know, you can see what's why the reinsurers are putting up significant um, provisions. Yeah, I mean, things like I guess the Olympics is is it's got one of those biggest losses I heard potentially could be a two billion. You can move Tuesday currency today, dollars, sterling, euros, not much difference. Um, but the other one that's interesting is if you get situations where people are getting vouchers for travel tickets or, or traveling overseas, and then that company goes bankrupt. And so you, they can probably just about getting, get away with offering you a voucher, but then if they go bankrupt, does your insurance pay for that? So you know, there's lots of small attritional losses. And then, of course, just talking about you know, themes out there. Of course, if you're a travel insurance company, you, you're going to see virtually nothing coming through for this, you know, who knows for how long before people start feeling they can travel again. So you know, it's all those edge cases that if you add them all up, they actually get quite significant in terms of both lost income coming in and then also uh, increased payouts. So yeah, a little bit, a little bit gloomy. Um, so we should probably find something more positive to talk about. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, so, so what you're in charge of our, um, you know all our tech and stuff. Uh, what, 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 what have you? What are we? What are we going to do these next few months now that we can't have proper events? Sounds like a way of putting responsibility onto me in case this webinar crashes. Well, you're in charge. Of, no, you're in charge of tech. You work hard, Dean. You're our anchor man. Uh, so what are we doing? So we, we're, as we know, we're moving towards. Um, we're not going to call them webinars because webinars traditionally have been not very exciting with someone standing in front of a PowerPoint deck and talking to a screen, which definitely goes against our principles. So we're going to continue with these rather sort of hopefully uh, lively f discussions on screen, but we're going to be using BrightTalk as a platform, which is uh, already very well established and just about to open up an insurance community and channel we're going to be building on. And we've got uh, between us, I think we've, we're looking at, we're probably going to have one webinar, uh, sorry, I shouldn't call them webinars, one live talk every week coming up. We've got a few of those lined up already. We've got some people that it's great to see us supporting us with, uh, with sponsoring those. I think, Robin, you've got, if I'm yeah, no, right, you've got the first one coming up next next week. This um, time yeah. next week, I think, yeah, the, the, the Merton's Chat Show uh, with um, uh, kindly supported by Sheridan's uh, and Deloitte, uh, both of whom reached out in, in um, gestures, which were much appreciated. So Sheridan's are running... Uh, daily guidelines on what you should do if you're a startup and what you need to uh, know about in terms of applying for some of this assistance the government has offered. Um, Deloitte's are doing exactly the same thing from a tax point of view, um, What, uh, how the tax regime has changed, what you need to do, how to take advantage of the opportunities um, this presents. Uh, and we're trying to get Brent Hoberman uh, to join us. He has uh, issued a very an open letter to the FT about the need to for the government to provide a fund to early stage startups to be able to invest a couple of hundred thousand in several of them to support fintech and insurtech in particular, um, which takes the form of some convertible note that they can get back on on exit. Um, and you know we're supporting him on that um, on behalf of the community. So that's uh, that's a nice one, and we're you know that's very nice of the those people support us. And it does mean that anyone can now come into our website and they can get the, 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 the Sheraton's live update and get some support or get to that help 
uh, line if they if they need any help, which is a very nice feature for us to be able to provide. Yeah, great. And so just picking up on, on this, the events, so we've got one for Parametric coming up with Complex, which we're going to be transitioning to a uh, probably literal back in front of each other in May, going online. But on that topic, we've actually got a question in there from Jonathan, who's asking about Parametric insurance at the moment uh, and what he's calling a black letter law point of view. Uh, have we had any conversations with insurers? And if so, what appetite to develop Parametric products further? Well, um, definitely, yes, Jonathan, thank you. That is definitely for this forum. Um, it's, good, it's a good way of lining up our upcoming event. Robin and I could talk for half an hour about parametrics, which I won't let Robin do. But Robin, just sort of headlines on parametrics. Yeah, they're complex. So, so um, I'm hoping that uh, on the 16th or the 23rd, so the one after this we'll do, we'll do parametrics, uh, specific event on it. Complex are going to uh, sponsor it. They're going to talk about they how they think this is an absolute massive opportunity for parametrics. A moment in time, uh, what where, what role parametrics plays in um, pandemic insurance going forward? Because I'm pretty sure it's a big part of the answer, and the insurance industry would do itself a favour if it could find a future answer to these uh, problems which it faced up to so poorly this time around. Um, but part of that, and and, and um, we can therefore, uh, is is complex are going to run a competition. Um, they make no absolute commitment, but but they are. We're going to ask for the best parametric ideas, uh, and if complex like them, uh, they're going to try and tuck them into their MGA somewhere. So we'll start a bit of bit of uh, promotion around that shortly. Uh, but 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 um, either. Either the the sixteenth or the or the twenty third for parametric uh, as a whole topic, and I think it's spot on the zeitgeist right now. That one, yeah. I mean, and we were talking about getting a as a short white paper on this before this whole craziness happened. So we should probably do that. But I mean, the, the great thing about parametric is if you get them right, then there should be no debate about whether there was a. Uh, a, a triggered event or not. I mean, you can argue about whether that event then caused a loss, but yeah, certainly uh, pandemics, if they're done well, can lend themselves very well to parametric because you can get certain you know, government-produced data around the loss. You get certain you know, types of loss in there. You know, the thing about parametric is you do need to have a really robust index, particularly these things are going to be traded. So you know, the, the, in the insurance-linked securities or the cat bonds have been out for about, there for about 20 years, and they've seen both where it works and in you know, some cases where they haven't been very well constructed. And when the loss comes in, you know, the lawyers spend a year debating over whether it really was as intended or if it did, if it did trigger in a certain way. So they, they are, they're very good. And also the important thing is the basis risk needs to be right. So you need to make sure that yeah. the actual loss event links to the lost cost. Otherwise everyone's a bit unhappy, but yeah, we saw this with flood flash with the, uh, the recent floods and where they were actually having their, sensors triggering payouts and people one extraordinary case where in Bartholomew said someone actually got paid out um before that yeah you know, and a day later their, their broker phoned them up and said oh, we should maybe figure out how we should pay for this and they said now money's already in my account you know just yeah. from a customer satisfaction point of view is is fantastic no, so we've got good. another question Robin can I just yeah go on send this one on to you um so question is uh what impact is there on the insurance sector through the closure of call centers in Asia and other offshore territories and how can or maybe should this service be built in the uk 
and, and where is help needed. So I don't know if you've got any insights into call centers, but it's certainly it's a sort of interesting concept that uh, you know, we, we've been talking about, certainly we support in terms of communities and, and what can be done locally. Yeah, I've got this sort of notion that I haven't developed properly yet, but it's it's that the the, the future just came forward. Uh, and that's a sort of strange expression, but uh, quite a lot of this crisis is going to do to accelerate stuff that we knew we were going to have to do anyway. And the dependence on call centres and dependence on BPO outsourcing in Asia uh, is something that we know is a sort of hybrid model um, uh, that that uh, much of which we can get away with if we have true digital models. Uh, and because they have just um, effectively established, you know, it's shown why they are so flawed as models. I, I think that a lot of the investment that goes into sorting those problems out will be accelerated. That's just one of the benefits you get of a crisis, that you realise where your where the weakest links are, uh, you know, and suddenly money becomes available to to sort those out. And I'm not conscious of, um, you know, sort of uh, crises moments because uh, call centres have closed. Um, on uh, Here in the UK, they were incredibly effective at um, kind of dissipating their call centres and, and starting to work remotely. Um, uh, you know, everyone sort of knew that they had the tech to do it. And, and uh, you know, I think it'll change in some ways. It'll change working practices forever. Do you need to be in a call centre if you can do it, you know, from your home effectively? I, 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 there was a two or three days when, when um, if you tried to ring, I had to ring LV to put a few people on the, extra people on the on the motor insurance i mean it took i don't know hours to get through but 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 after a while it got working again i i i i i look at that as a positive i think to myself there are it shows you how dependent we are on on kind of excuse the word crap models and we need to sort them out and i think that i think this is a is a moment in time probably I welcome them i mean the same issue applies to the ppl and london and and, and lloyds um you know, this is a huge moment in time. Uh, uh, close to Rome, you've got anyone over 50 saying you can't possibly place insurance of any complexity unless you do it in Corny and Barrow and known the guys in school days. Um, you know, uh, now they're all uh, in their own homes and um, having to use the, the PPL. And if that goes well, then they'll be following wins for, for Blueprint. If it goes badly, then... Clearly, it's going to be a big problem for John Neal. Um, but in you know, the next two or three months, we'll, we'll, we'll understand a lot more about that and how, how this crisis has kind of either helped or hindered. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, you've got a lot of early history with, with PPL, you know, all the, the best parts of it, not the sort of frustrating parts of it, of course. Um, but there's a couple of things on that. It's interesting to see that Aon is putting out AB Connect, their reinsurance placement platform, to 10,000 people. And also, the FD had a an article, I don't know if it was intended as being serious or, or it was tongue-in-cheek, but it was saying there's, there's quite a lot of concern amongst amongst the uh, the reinsurance brokers now because of Wimbledon being cancelled and Ascot being off and, you know, all the summer entertainment, all the tricky-to-place deals aren't going to be able to get closed now. So uh, we'll see, you know, if, if the insurance industry can survive the lack of its corporate entertainment, then, you know, we really will have really will have moved moved ahead. Um, we've got one, I think, one final question because we, we're getting close to lunchtime in... Uh, in the UK, and I don't know about you, but I'm getting the smells of some rather good food wafting up towards me, which is always one of the perils of working remotely. Um, there's a question from uh, from Mike. Hello, Mike. Glad you could join us from 360 Global Net, uh, asking about um, UBI 
insurance, which is um, user-based insurance using telematics and cards. And you know, the question is, uh, is it an opportunity for mainline insurers, particularly as we get to renewal? Is this going to help customers? Like, I'm thinking, Mike, you're asking that question because these people who've got their cards, they're using them less frequently. Can they get cheaper insurance from that? And actually, fun enough, Rob and I did have a chat about this earlier on. But Robin, do you want to just comment on, on Mike's question? Yes. So, so um, you know, we, we know from first-hand experience that those who've gone UBI, um, you know, it's both a, it's both a blessing and, uh, you know, tricky waters because, um, you know, Zegos and, and insurers and others, you know, they, they do a lot with, um, you know, if you're doing Uber insurance right now, there's no Uber drivers. Uh, and, you know, there's no – so, so – a lot of work's going on is repurposing them because you need delivery drivers elsewhere. Uh, if, on the other hand, you're doing Deliveroo, you're having a you're having a bonanza. Um, I, I mean, I have no idea how my son is living other than you know yet more deliveries. So, um, uh, you know, once you go onto UBI, uh, you, you're all, you're all, you're always a, a, func- a victim, or or uh, you know your success is based on 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 those models. I mean, I, I, I go back to my, uh, the future just came forward. I can't believe that in five years' time, UBI won't be the basis upon which nearly everybody is insured. And I think this will bring that forward. The truth is, though, that only those who use the platforms built by the insurers or the Zegos or the Troves of this world can do it. You know, So, so it's, it would be no good at this exact moment in time in you know, LV or, or Admiral saying, let's do it because they, they haven't got the tech platforms to enable them to do it. I don't think. Yeah. Although I do think there's another twist on that, which is, you know, you sort of sort of think about, well, or about even some of the companies that are offering that kind of usage based usage based insurance or, or sort of fractional insurance when you've got like a young driver. I mean, so if you just do a car out for one hour a week and you charge somebody 10 pounds, to do that, you know, by the time you've done that 50 times a year or so, you're kind of back at the same price for insurance. So I, you know, I think for it to work, it's sort of a bit of what you said. It needs to be connected to technology that actually just it, it does kick in once you're actually moving. And then you've got the whole kind of claims ish, claims side, but all pricing. How do you actually price it if you don't know? Anyway, there's, I feel like there's a full um, full half an hour discussion that we had in that, and, and we should basically bring this to uh, to an end. So, Robin, any final thoughts before we wrap this up uh no i i think uh what i um i mean these are tough times for everybody i've loved the sense of community that it brings i mean both uh you know the village level at a, at a sort of global level the way people are cooperating medics and so on and, and then you know i think therefore Tech london has a role to play um either you know the global insurtech alliance has come alive as we're all exchanging information on what's happening in our individual countries and, and i think you know what we can do and what i hope our members will contribute to is uh playing our own little part i mean it won't change many lives but but if we can help we should and and if we can cheer a few people up then then let's do it you know good and we're demonstrating how connected we are even though we're about 500 miles apart we still we both turned out wearing blue check shirts and uh, and blue sweaters so you know we must it's, be- our it's our uniform <laughs> Well, listen, thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, we are going to be doing more of these and we look forward to uh, more questions and more interactive discussions. Thank you. Stay thanks safe. Thanks, Cheers.